Textile Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Deus Textile Podcast, a place where some of the most progressive and innovative builders, thought leaders, and traders in the crypto space come together to discuss all areas of the crypto industry. Whether you're into DeFi, Layer 1s, Layer 2s, NFTs, or anything in between, we've got you covered. And as a reminder, nothing said on this podcast should be construed as financial advice or as a solicitation to buy or sell any digital asset or security. The comments, views, and opinions expressed by the hosts or guests on the podcast are their own. As always, you'll need to do your own research. Now, with that out of the way, let's get to the episode. Okay, so we are live. Um, hey guys, welcome to Deus Ex Dao, another uh, interesting discussion we have in this podcast. And today we are going to talk about Web3 marketing, right? This is, this is, yay! I can see, I, I can see Hippes here smiling. But it's, uh, it's a very interesting discussion because I've seen people coming uh, in from Web2 and they're finding it a mission to adjust in the new, in the new, how can I say it? Um, not stereotypes, but the new the new practices in in the space. So we have very special guests. Uh, we have a special guest, a special guest from Maple uh, Finance. We have a special guest from Fandom Fandom Foundation, and we have a very special guest from Everlabs. And with me, co co-host, I have Kepler. Hey man, how are you? Hey, I'm fine. Thanks. Awesome, awesome. So um, let's let's start with uh, ladies first. So Maple Finance, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a few bits about your role at Maple, please? Too kind. Thank you for letting me go first. It's um, brilliant being a woman in the space and being invited onto the podcast. I'm an avid listener, so thank you for having me. I'm Charlotte. I'm working at Maple. I've been with Maple for about six months now and just loving the journey. If you don't know about Maple, Maple are transforming capital markets through tech and bringing lending businesses and um, liquidity as well as loans on chain. And uh, we've been issuing loans to crypto native companies for the past year now. And today actually passed 1.4 billion in loans issued. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah it's congrats, congrats. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, the team are doing an amazing job. And I'm obviously in the marketing function, which is covering comms, events, um, and client relationships, and just having a, a wonderful time doing that with Maple. Nice, nice. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, let's let's uh, move on to Phantom Foundation. Yes. Hey, uh, CryptoHerk, thank you very much for having me. Uh, I'm Simone from Phantom. I'm the Chief, uh, Chief Marketing Officer of Phantom. I've been with, uh, with Phantom for the past two years and a half, officially. Wow. wow. But unofficially, I was one of the very first community members. So I, I've seen mm. Phantom grow since the very, very beginning. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so I have some nice insights also, you know, from how it feels to be part of the community and then how it feels, you know, from becoming part of the core team coming from the community. So that's that's a very interesting uh, thing. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And last but not least, uh, Ava Labs. Hey, Herc. Thanks for having me. Um, my, my name is Jay Karahashi Sofue. I'm the VP of marketing at Ava Labs. Not at Avalabs as long as maybe uh, Simone, but have been here for a little over two years now, two years in, in a month. Um, and so been actually in the crypto marketing space for quite some time. I've been working in this space since 2015, started out in the ETH um, ecosystem and was there for about five years, uh, both on the agency side and then uh, soon after was was on a project called Fluidity, which got acquired by Consensus. Nice. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much. And uh, I guess the one the, the, the one note I have is that uh, when people say I'm in crypto for one year or two years, sounds like an eternity, right? It's not like in the corporate world. Uh, but anyway, I, we have very interesting topics to cover uh, because, correct me if I'm wrong, but in crypto, it, it's all about marketing. It's how we pass that point 
over uh, to, to, to the audience. And yeah, the one question I have, but we can cover it later, is how we find that audience. Uh, so yeah, very, very interesting topic. But, but let, me, let me start with the, 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 first, the first question. You have a project and you are the person to lead that team. You are the person that want to share the vision and what you're trying to build and you are responsible for building that community. How do you go about it? I don't have a specific preference who will answer it. Who so who, who, <laughs> first come, first served. <laughs> okay, I'll start. Uh, that's a good question. And uh, again, I'll share my experience. That uh, I would say that maybe Phantom is, is a quite unique um, background, maybe compared for sure to, to Maple and, uh, and Avalanche. Because Phantom was, uh, was launched in a bear market. Uh, it was not doing well. It was when everything was, um, you know, was either considered a scam or, you know, was doing bad in terms of investment. So everything was sort of, um, you know, not looked in the right way. Um, and back then, uh, there was a very small group of Phantom uh, fans that started to, to form a community, uh, including myself. Uh, that's why I can I can I can tell the story from from the inside, and uh, of course those were very hard times. Um, so these people were like you know they they saw every day the token price going going down, market cap that was almost non-existent. You know, close you know going slowly to zero. Uh, but no matter what, they they were believing in uh, whatever uh, the project was trying to build, which is in the case of Phantom is um, highly scalable. scalable uh, EVM compatible layer one network. Uh, so very similar to, to Avalanche. Actually, the two projects have quite a few things uh, in common. Uh, probably the most significant is the type of consensus. Just to mention uh, a little technical thing, but both Phantom and Avalanche use an ABFT consensus mechanism. Anyway, back in 2018, early 2019, this was uh, was all under development. So what these phantom fans uh, had was just the really the idea, and uh, you know, and the, the sort of vision that was shared by the team that this thing at some point would be you know would become something relevant. Um, as I said, those were were very hard times, and these people you know at some point they had nothing to lose. The community back then was kind of small, was just um, a few thousand people, but the active community members were just you know, handful. Um, I was one of them. Um, Kepler actually was was one of them at some point, uh, and and a few others. And um, and these people then, when you know the you know market turned around and the narratives shifted, and we saw the boom of uh, layer ones, uh, those people were the were, were those that actually carried the rest of the community. Because they were here for you know for a very, they've been here for a very long time, they knew what the project was about, and they could also educate the newcomers about uh, about Phantom. And what they had it was it was this extreme uh, resilience because they 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 went through a very very uh, hard time. Right, it was two years almost of suffering every day with no hope. Uh, you know, everything about Phantom that came out was not either a false start or not that positive news. Um, but anyway, once things turned around, this community started really to uh, snowball in uh, in a very positive way. Uh, so really, that um, that's why I said that probably Phantom is a little bit different story than most of yeah. other projects. It, because it, sounds, this... it sounds a bit different because it seems you had a core of people, true believers, 100%. that that 100%. started that community, right? And uh, you started a, uh, at a time that maybe we didn't have this influx of projects or, you know. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's different. Uh, but I guess... Uh, what you described, it's uh, also how lucky you were to have this core of people, the true believers. 
Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, and that's for sure. Uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, I mean, maybe we 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 can cover also this uh, in in one of the next questions. But I truly believe that the community is a uh, is a fundamental part of any uh, project in crypto, blockchain, Web three, however you want to call it. Yeah. And um, and absolutely, you know, a community can make or break a project. And with Phantom, we were, yeah, let's say we were lucky, but maybe it's not the right word. But for sure, you know, there were this handful, let's say 100 people. They were really extreme fans. And these 100 people were able to, as I said, you know, to really kickstart uh, the community and support the community once the growth uh, really happened. Awesome. Thank you for this. It seems like the community of a project is a blessing and a curse, right? But oh, at the same time, I'm not sure if a project can live without a community, uh, crypto project. Uh, Charlotte or Jay, any, any inputs about, about the, uh, the community, how you started? But I'm also interested in understanding, in, in knowing what your advice would be to a project that mm. just starts. And they want to build a community without this core of true believers. Yeah, and I just want to pick up on what Simone's just said there about finding your fans. And that really is community for me. And I think it was Kevin Kelly who said you just any artist just needs a thousand true fans. And you know, they might make terrible work, but they'll do all right because they've got a thousand <laughs> people believing in them. And I think that really rings true today, especially regarding community building and the value that that community can bring, whether that's in guiding your product or boosting your brand or, you know, doing being the megaphone for you when actually you're restricted from being the megaphone or just like putting those feelers out into different spots that maybe you can't reach as a corporate entity or a DAO. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still web too, so I still use all of these corporate words, so apologies <laughs> for that. Um, I think in the case of Maple, it's it's a little bit different. Like we're a B2B product. Um, and I think part of the way that Maple went to market was in finding people that wanted the product. You know, it wasn't, hey, we're going to issue a product that everyone's going to need and everyone's going to love. It was identify the people who are going to love this and build the product around them. So you automatically get that product market fit. And then once you've got that, even though it's with maybe a niche niche industry or in a niche target market, um, you know, you create fans there. And then actually the numbers and the and your output can do, do that brand building and communications for you. So I think Maple definitely went about it in a different way. That's not to say that the community was ever dismissed, but it was more of a priority for Maple to build a product that people loved, used, and sort of... And, and just let those numbers numbers do the talking. And obviously we're expanding now and that's why community is becoming even more important. Um, but for a while it was definitely let the numbers, let the product do the talking and people will come. Awesome. Um, Jay? I think ours is, is probably has similarities with both examples. Um, I, I think we came just outside the bear market, maybe right when things were turning over a little bit. Um, and I wholeheartedly agree with the strategies that both Charlotte and Simone have outlined, especially with the core user base. Who does, who is that exactly? But maybe to build on that further, um, at least in the, in the reference to Avalanche, we really were trying to figure out who our target or ideal customers are. Um, so kind of taking a little bit of a marketing corporate speak here, but with our core audience or ideal audience, we really identified a two-sided problem. A lot of crypto brands, they have to focus on this two-sided problem. It's the chicken or the egg problem. You've heard it many times. Um, supply and demand problem, all these things. Um, so we, we really were focusing on a two-prong approach, one developer-focused and one non-technical non or non-developer-focused. The initial go at this strategy was really to focus on the supply side because that just seemed to be the right or the maybe not the right, but the obvious choice. But what we found out right as we came out of stealth and launched Avalanche in 2020 in September was the bull market actually created a lot more noise. And so no longer are people looking at the 
the technical value propositions that you might be able to present, um, any of the things that are more utilitarian, anything that is less marketing and more towards the product, all those value propositions kind of went out the window. And instead, it was really focused on what marketing is truly known for. What are the emotions that um, it could kind of tease out from from the buyer, prospective buyers? What are the promises that the brand is making? I know this kind of sounds obvious and once you kind of vocalize it, but um, we really did think at, at a certain point that um, if the the technology is superior, then the devs will come at least to some degree. Um, but of course, what we ended up finding out, I think in the most simplest way is devs also like to make money, not just retail traders, not just users. And so what we did instead after a year was then flip it on its head and, and say, all right, well, instead of focusing a lot on developers, we might actually need to focus on both approaches as aggressively as possible. Really hard from a bandwidth perspective, but I think we were able to finally get to a certain point. And, and what I mean by that is we were able to get a lot of developers from the core community, a bunch of entrepreneurs to, to commit to deploying their projects, some existing ones, some new ones. That's on the supply side. On the demand side, then really tried to get a lot of excitement with the user base or the prospective user base. What do they want out of these projects? What can they have to look forward to? And come August um, 2021, I think, uh, yeah, 2021, so just a little um, under a year ago, we then were saying, I think we have all of the pieces in place to really launch this forward. And that's when we launched the Avalanche Rush program, which is an incentive program. I know a bunch of other layer ones did the same thing. Um, and I think from our perspective, we saw that as a really important catalyst to go from like a three out of 10 scale to, to perhaps maybe like a seven or eight out of 10. And that's really what took our active user base, our TVL, all of the metrics that we know to be important in, in, in uh, smart contracts platforms from something as low as I think it was like in the hundreds of millions, even, even lower than that. I think it was like tens of millions and, and users were think on a monthly active basis, it was like thousands, if not less, to be honest. And then that slingshotted it all the way up to um, almost uh, a million in, in a month. And, and I think the TVL grew quite, quite rapidly. So I think the, the closing thought here is really, what can we do to set the foundational layers? How can we test and iterate with the community members? People will give feedback. And so we took a lot of that year, not as wasted time, but really just to kind of build the railroad tracks. Once the tracks are built, what's that thing that can then propel the, I guess, the train forward a little faster than you would like? And that's perhaps incentives is one option. And there's plenty of other ways to, to do that. But I think um, that's how we approached it. And I, I really love what you just said there, Jay. And that, that year gave you the time to get to know your community, the people that are interested. And actually, regardless of being on the supply side, demand side, being um, an investor or a builder, there's an alignment there on, on, on human traits and, and, and what people want in life. So actually, you're learning your community and learning actually what they desire from an emotional level. And actually, once you figure out people, what, what turns people on and what turns people off, you can actually form a, a persona, which isn't dev or investor it's a mindset and it's oh everyone that is part of this community is united on something greater than this and it's usually a human or an intrinsic trait um, that then you can utilize to to speak to people um, from an emotional perspective as opposed to a a usp or a a technical perspective um, and actually i think you only learn that with time um, and, and understanding each of your your customers and their mindsets and and what gets them going. Yeah, I feel like the the discussion of, we had it like in there about bull and bear market, um, but like building a community takes time. So I feel like maybe bear markets are actually better for it because there's less noise, as Jay said, and that's just you, you can really work with people and you have this core group that Phantom got. Um, and you know that these are the right people to drive the community forward because there's like there's more attention on your project and people won't be switching. So, yeah, maybe bear markets are not that bad, actually. <laughs> uh, Depends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay, one here is a reason to to love beer markets, right? <laughs> so, um, let's let's move on 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 a, a relevant question. How how do you because Kepler, you mentioned the beer market, right? How do you keep your community active in a beer market where you have less engagement, you have more challenges in in uh, communicating? your developments your milestones and and we've seen that we as a space we are very dependable on what the market does and we are talking about a market that is the most volatile in the history of finance right uh how, how do you how do you address these challenges as as a brand yeah um i think i want to start by saying it's it's not easy It's definitely one of the hardest things I've I've come to learn um, in in my experience in Web three. So especially with my previous role prior to Avalanche, the whole time of my my employment was during a very deep bear market, and I was in the Ethereum ecosystem, like like I mentioned before. And so it was it got pretty bleak at times, and and you're basically trying to be a cheerleader. Um, also a little bit of a academic, also a little bit of a therapist, and I think a bunch of other different roles at the same time. Like Charlotte said, you really need to get to know your customer. And so I think it's really time to take those opportunities and maximize that understanding. Talk to them. What are the things that are most frustrating? There are certainly times where there's going to be many dead ends, where someone's going to say, hey, token price is really low. This is the only thing I care about. Nothing you say will ever change it unless the price goes back up. If we had as marketers control of the price, I think a lot of us would be in a much more successful uh, situation, especially now. And that's obviously not the case. And so I think it's really uh, one of the things that I, I, I really tend to distill it back down to is just listen, listen and respond. Um, and, and I think a good example, even in the Avalanche community is There was a time where Avalanche token price wasn't doing so well, and I and I I personally don't monitor it, but or care about it. But people do, and people are very emotional about it, and it makes total sense to me um, as to why they are emotional about it. They have a vested interest. They thought their future would be something else, and 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 instead, it turned out to be a whole other thing. Um, and so they feel almost deceived. They feel like uh, it's also your fault as marketers, especially if you get the most heat. <laughs> Um, devs get heat. Sorry, I think a little bit more ironically, but I think marketers get the, the the brunt of it. And and in Avalanche, what we did was just really talk to them. Um, and eventually, we're all humans at the end of the day. I think the screen that we sit in front of is what complicates things too. People become keyboard warriors. People don't really interact with people in a really pleasant way. And it's kind of like the best way I describe Twitter is imagine if. You know, you see, you see people who reply to your Twitter and they say you're wrong or you're lying or you're 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 not doing your best. Imagine if you had a coffee with someone cold and someone just goes straight up to you and say, "Hey, you're actually really bad at your job, right?" Like no one, or not no one, but not many people would do that if they were put face to face. The only reason why they do that is because they they don't know really how to behave on online, um, and it, it's not really. I don't really fully blame them either. It's just the technology has outpaced how we as humans interact. And so I think what I'm trying to get at is if you keep listening and you really understand what the pain points are, the solution is not going to be immediate, but at least people will start turning over and understanding that you are in fact human as well. Um, and you are in fact there to listen. And I think if they feel that, um, I guess, Olive Branch becoming closer to them as you extend it forward, And then you kind of put your head down and maybe you have to admit that you're wrong, even though you feel like you're right, that's totally fine. Then you'll start seeing pages turn and you'll start seeing people saying, oh, actually, you're not that bad. I know maybe uh, maybe we are a little frustrated here, but if we can somehow tie it to certain objectives, then maybe we'll get there. And over time, you'll start seeing positivity ramp up if you are objectively trying to help, but also tying it to business objectives if possible. It's like, okay, well, maybe token price is down, but what you could be excited about is perhaps an exchange listing coming up, perhaps a new product feature. This product feature will then ladder up to another point of innovation or movement in, in the brand itself. And then hopefully with four or five different steps forward, then we'll get to a point where we'll probably be much more comfortable, of course, for, for 
our team, and I'm sure your guys' team too, Charlie and Simone, we don't really talk about token price, so it's kind of hard in that way. But there's a way to kind of like, kind of create that implicit positivity. Um, and, and that's how I would go about it. Yeah, and I have to absolutely 100% ag- agree with you. I think in times like this, you, I mean, Maple's uniquely positioned. I think we, we, we come out or existing in this space quite well at the moment and we'll come out of it quite strong given our institutional leaning um, product. But I think you don't know the, the lives of the people that are in your community. Everyone gets impacted in different ways when the market goes down. And I think to, to your point, Jay, you need to be sensitive in these moments in time. You need to check in, check in with your community. Are they doing okay? And actually, if they're not satisfied in, in what you're shipping or if your product is causing problems in their life, build with them. Like these people love your product. They love it so much. They know it better than me. They know the ins, the outs, who's transacting on the platform every single day. So there's always an opportunity in these moments in time to say, hey, okay, we're slowing down, build with us. And even just this past week, we've had community members testing out a product that we're going to launch on Monday, like taking an hour, two hours out of their day to build with us. And to Jay's point, that builds that that longevity, um, that fandom, um, and also, you know, and, and just gives you time to, to check in with them and be like, what do you want? What's going to make you feel good about this product and us as people? And I think as um, as a sideline to that and, and the human aspect of, of um, all of this, we're a fully doxxed team. And because we're doxxed, I think you can communicate more on an emotional level. And we have really, I thought we have personal relationships with, with our community and that they'll um They'll be like, we, should, we appreciate you, Charlotte. We appreciate you, Martin, um, <laughs> as a result of that. So, um, yeah, you, I think you have to be super sensitive in these times, but it's an opportunity to, to look after each other, to check in with each other, be friends, and, and build together, ultimately. Yeah, I absolutely agree with, agree with both uh, Jay and Charlotte. Uh, then, in the end, it all comes down to communication, right? So... I mean, I'm, I'm going to repeat exactly what you guys said, but it's, you know, we're, we're talking to the human beings. Uh, I know that sometimes it feels that it's not like that, but it is, uh, you know, sometimes, and it doesn't matter if it's, uh, I don't know, uh, someone that just joined the ecosystem in our case, or, you know, Avalanche case, Maple maybe could be a little bit different, you know, maybe last week, or someone that has been around for three years, or someone that is just a, uh, I don't know, DeFi user or someone that is a developer. You know, in the end, uh, you know, again, they're people. And and we have to understand that, again, I'm just repeating what you guys said, but these guys have, uh, you know, they have emotions. And for whatever reasons that we don't know, right, we can say, okay, maybe sometimes it's, a, you know, it's token price. But what if it's not just that? We don't know, right? Okay, this person has been... A little bit difficult. Of course, token price doesn't help. Maybe there's also something else that is completely out of our control. How can we, uh, you know, make sure that this person feels heard or this team feels heard? Um, so I, I would say that that uh, that's really key in a bear market. In bull market, it doesn't matter, of course, because you know numbers go up, everyone is happy. <laughs> in a bear market, we have to be a little bit more more sensitive, a little bit more human. Uh, that's that's absolutely. Uh, important. Agree, and, and I think the community is your your home, and it's your tribe. It's your safe place, isn't it? When when markets go down, you can you can come home and you can be with be with your friends at home. And I think that's that's like at the core of what a community is. If you provide people with a safe place to talk openly, to shout when they're angry, to celebrate when they're happy, um, I think that that's that's a beautiful community. Hundred percent, and in the case of uh, say layer ones, we have also communities, not just one community. It's like it's communities that form a larger community. So it's, I would say it's of course it's generally a positive thing, but it's also a good thing in the in a bear market because those other communities might have you know sort of maybe different narratives, maybe you know they can be happy for other reasons. Uh, regardless of the main, you know, what's happening in the main community. So I, I think that we are in a very fortunate place, you know, um, talking about Phantom, talking about Avalanche and all the other layer ones that are already 
uh, established and all other projects that you know have multiple communities uh, because again it's a uh, it's it's another way to help each other out um, and I'm you know super grateful when when I talk about the phantom community is actually I, I like to mentally divide it in you know because we when we say community it's just a bunch of users but uh again I, I speak personally for for the phantom community we have an amazing developer community and those guys are are really you know that they they came from the community themselves uh most of them and uh and in in these times you know they they're really helping uh us out a lot uh, again by creating their communities fostering their communities and uh so it's it's, it's great to see What you're describing, all three of you, it seems that the number one priority is to be an empath, show an empathy and try to understand the feelings of the community as a collective mind, in a sense, right? Uh, and this is a very interesting uh, approach because we are a space that is tech-led and some and maybe sometimes uh, we lack of emotions, we lack of this approach. Uh, and, and this, I think this takes me to the next question, where is how do you, how do you um, scale, when you see the community growing and growing fast, and how do you scale that? How do you scale, how do you make sure that someone will be there um, for the community, right? You have community leaders. How you choose your leaders? How you make it? How you you address the challenge of of scaling up? And how, for example, you need people to be there around the clock, right? So, what are the challenges in in scaling a community? And and how how you choose your leaders in that community? I'll jump in with a, a quick one here. I think that the fact that you have a community means that you always have someone on call. You know, our community love us so much. Like I say, they know the product better than us. So they can chip in. They can answer the questions if I'm asleep or if you know our colleague in Europe is asleep. And um, yeah, I think that's what actually one of the, the benefits of having such an avid community is that you don't necessarily need leaders and people on call all the time you just mm. need those fans and they'll answer your questions they'll fight your fights they do the good work for you um whilst you're sleeping um so yeah that's just my quick note on there um before simone and jay jump in <laughs> all right um no super quick as well uh so i, I think of course it's important to build uh, the community organically and because uh, if you don't do it organically then it really doesn't work out and when the community uh, grows organically then those leaders they they will just emerge um and um so the, one thought then then I'll, I'll say something else but uh there are people that will naturally and organically just be more helpful than others they could be, you know, they actually, and it's it's amazing to see how this uh, process happens because they will naturally divide and sort of each each one of them will have a different uh, sort of tasks or, or different skill set, right? So once again, in the Phantom community, I can, you know, a couple of people come, come to my mind, uh, a couple of developer sort of uh, developers that actually address more the tech questions. And they almost, for sure, they know better than me when it comes to the phantom tech, but also they, they're there when our devs are busy with uh, with dev stuff, right? So it's, a, as you, as Charlotte, you were saying, you know, they're amazing feelers, but they're not even feelers. They're just, you know, they're, they're amazing at, you know, at, at what they do. And, um, and same thing happens for non-technical people, you know, so, um, I think there's not really so much of a process of choosing rather than, you know, these people will just come out uh, themselves. And it's, again, uh, th that's really the best way. Now, how do you control uh, if one is, uh, 
one, let's say, one person that emerges is good or bad, well, the bad ones will quickly get uh, weeded out by the rest of the community. That's I've seen that happening so many times in the Phantom community. Bad people, you know, it's are bad people. Bad, you know, m- most of the people won't like bad people, which means they will get marginalized and then eventually kicked out of the community. It happened more than once. I'm sorry for the interruption, but what I say personally is that in in, in life, people say in life you have two certainties, right? Death and taxes. Um, There is a third one is haters. (laughs) Right? So, yeah, that's my, my... My small interruption here. Yeah, no, no, hundred percent. But nobody likes haters, right? So haters, they're just a quick, uh, short. They, they have a short life. They just come in a community, and you know, they, it's this kind of weird uh, guest. It's like, okay, well, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, maybe a couple new people might listen to this person, but then it will just get, as I said, it will just get, you know, marginalized and eventually kicked out of the community by the community themselves. You know, and we really don't do any sort of. Uh, active community management besides of course moderating right or really banning people in in the channels when there's actually reasons for for them to be, to be banned but otherwise you can you know can, you can go in the telegram groups and and still see people that you know express their opinions that are not constructive that are not helpful it's just people being uh, generally not nice well those people don't really have you know don't get engagement by others so yeah anyway so it's just a beautiful process to see yeah Completely, it's it's everyone's sort of found their tribe in these spaces. So if anyone comes in to try and steal the food, it's um, yeah, it's not not going to happen. And one one more quick thing, like Simona, you touch on a good point. It's don't take shortcuts because otherwise those will flop. Obviously, leaders will shine their face if they're not long term leaders. Basically, the market will shake it out. Is basically what we're saying. And then what happens once you identify those really good leaders? And your community is scaling still at a rapid pace. I think then for us, I'm sure you guys might employ similar tactics. But what we've done is trying to create this culture within those leaders to um, kind of support from within and really show the newcomers the ropes. Because if you're creating this onboarding system, you being, I guess, like marketing leaders such as ourselves or or people part of the core uh, team on the marketing side, if you, we're the ones onboarding each, every single one, it, it's never going to scale. You're going to have to manage 20, 30, 40, even more community managers all across the world speaking different languages. English is likely their second language if they're not um, based in an English-speaking country, all these different complexities. And so we've created this system where you start from basically like level one and you go all the way up to level three, four, or five. I can't remember how many we have exactly, but you go, okay, well, maybe we can have a trial basis. We can, You can start by chewing small pieces of the challenge, which is maybe moderating the telegram. That's a simple task, and we can focus on what that looks like. Then if you are able to handle that pretty well, um, then look to your peers for feedback. What are things that you're doing well? What are things that, you're, that are opportunity zones? Then start piling on more opportunities. And maybe like after a month, then you're going to be able to say, okay, well, you're at least going to be able to manage digital community channels pretty well. Perhaps it makes sense to then make this official part-time contract, contractor um, engagements could be something a little bit like a step before full-time effectively, if you don't want to take that much of a risk. If you're really confident, of course, you can accelerate that trajectory if you want. But most often it, it makes sense to take it slow because then you'll really identify the pain points early and fix them early so then you don't have to deal with them once the community grows to an incredible size. And, and so we've done that and that's actually gotten pretty, uh, been pretty successful because what you then have is if you fast forward two years from when we started this, basically, you now have a really good core base of community managers who are all um, friendly from a peer perspective, which is amazing from a culture perspective. Uh, organizational culture perspective, but then also knows exactly all of the different historical contexts that perhaps the first community manager has. And so the first community manager's baseline knowledge and baseline competence, competency is just as equal as the 30th person who who just joined most recently. And so I think once you have that, which is, again, very hard to get to, I, I think we still, you know, I'm oversimplifying it just for the discussion, but we're still trying to 
maximize that um, and make sure that we're we're um, maintaining the quality that we need to to make sure that the marketing narratives community management all of those are at the standard that we would like it um, and that's that's I think always an ongoing process so just a quick thing I wanted to add um, in addition to the first two points yeah I think that that's an interesting discussion like when you identify leaders or they show themselves um, then like how can you support them so Jay you just said that basically you you have to provide them with like a clear path and also feedback and then maybe they will end up like being your core team members but is there also like other things you can support them with or you have supported them with in the past like any resources or something yeah i think it's it's kind of like a little bit of what you're alluding to too um but also i think it's like 80 looking to the past and and leveraging those resources and then 20 like what can you source from those new new um new members because it's like it's kind of like creating this brain trust there's always going to be this core these core values these core points of knowledge but there's also plenty of opportunities to add more to the trust and you don't want to just be too siloed into your own strategy because otherwise you're you're not really being malleable and and open to other suggestions which of course is a is kind of the the pinnacle of a good organization is to be open diverse and and flexible um, and so I think it's a little bit of both. I'll come at it from a softer angle. We're not as scaled as as um, Ava Labs or Phantom at all, but we we celebrate our community members rather than you know, giving them resources or advising them because it's just a free for all and they do their thing. But we celebrate them. You know, we put them up on a pedestal. We're doing a, a meme contest at the moment and our community, all they want is a rocket gif. <laughs> so we're running a meme competition at the moment. And instead of me judging what's the best rocket gif, um, the community members who have been asking me for it for about three months have been <laughs> are, are, um, are, are judging, judging that competition. So from a soft perspective, because we're talking to humans, we celebrate our community, we put them on a pedestal and uh, we show them that, that we're seeing them. Uh, and yeah, I mean, ultimately we'll, we'll move towards um, a more structured way of working, but right now it's, we're just having fun. And I think that that totally makes sense. Um, and we're a phantom for sure. We're uh, leaning again more towards you know, sort of do whatever you want to do. And uh, how we support you is by, you know, if you're helpful and useful for others, we'll encourage you and we'll give you visibility. We'll give you exposure. Um, we'll give you really, you know, it's you're an asset for us as much as we, you know, we're an asset for you. So there's this very, um, very nice exchange, I would say. Um, it's never... Um, never monetary, of course, uh, when it comes to to community building or uh, when it comes to supporting the these these leaders. But for sure, there's a there's a little bit of a different um, relationship, you know, between us and and these leaders. And I once again, I can tell from my personal experience because I was one of them back then in 2019. Uh, so just because of what, uh, what I was doing within the community, the team reached out to me and then suddenly I was talking to Andre back in 2019 when Andre was still not, you know, just random person. Uh, and so, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, um, again, it really goes back to what Charlotte, you were saying, we're all humans and, uh, you know, if, if you do as a human, you do something good for us, which which means good for the rest of the community, then you know we will we will support you in uh, in somehow. Yeah, and I which, just you know, to, uh, oh, pardon me, Simone. No, 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 please, please, absolutely. Um, it's just to endorse your point, really. Um, obviously it's talking about rocket gifts and that's our community and we're, we're thinking discord and telegram there obviously as channels but um there's also amazing people externally who are working in finance um that publish like investment theses on us that we can't publish ourselves um or you know endorsements for our, our brand and our token over time 
funnily enough, we've actually hired two of those people. They they now work for us. One's an intern. One's actually in a in a governance role at, at, over at Maple. So, and, and I think that's the payback. It's like you've shown us how much you are interested. The time that you will take out of your day just to like dive deep on this protocol. Like I really appreciate the time that you've spent, but also I see your skill set. Why don't you come in and, and become a core contributor? Um, so I think that's that's ultimately the, the payoff that we're all talking about. Um, is if if you show show us what you've got, and ultimately we're all scaling. There's there's likely a a seat for you yeah, within these protocols. So. Um, yeah, and I've never hired people from from Twitter before, but we've now hired two, so it's definitely happening. Wait, I want to quickly get a poll, maybe. How, like Simona, have you hired people from Twitter? I'm sure you have. Let me think. Uh, and the fact that I'm thinking, probably I haven't. I haven't. I haven't hired people from Twitter. I we hired most of them from our community. So not from Twitter, yeah. but... Oh, well, either. similar. I guess it doesn't have to be Twitter, the platform. Of course, but, of course. Yeah, same, same ah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, of, me too. We we have like yeah. five, I think, in this year alone that came yeah. from a Twitter DM or like a Twitter post. It's actually kind of insane. Yeah. I would say most of our marketing team actually came from, say, the Yeah, community. exactly. <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah. So, yeah. But that's also the the beautiful thing, right? You empower your own people. It's not to get a professional to do the work, right? Because he, he has experience. But you have someone that really believes in the project, that really can empathize on the pain points, has experienced the pain points of a beer, a beer market, the pain, right? And, and he can be there for the future beer markets. Uh, like the one we're having now. And you have actually answered, uh, because I, I, we have a question here, how you how you communicate the vision with new members, right? Someone is joining Telegram and you might have, in a, in a bull market, let's say, you might have 100 people per day joining on Telegram or a 1,000, I don't know how many. And and the question was how, how you communicate the vision how you make sure that this person that joins crypto and your project is up to date with what you are doing what the mission and vision is of the project i guess it's an organic um process through the community but do you have any other let's put it in quotes um onboarding process in a subtle way in your community or or really not we definitely do. I'm sure everyone, I think everyone probably has some sort of onboarding process. The short answer is create content that is relevant to those personas. There's going to be a, so many different personas at different stages of their journey. Um, and there's also going to be some that you can't tackle because of bandwidth issues. So prioritize those, focus on um, the best and easiest way forward. And so I think early innings, like to make this a little bit more concrete, early innings of Avalanche made sense to really dissect the white paper, made sense to dissect some of the more technical components that are out there because it's just not friendly to some people like myself. I'm not a developer. So uh, some of that content actually would be extremely useful, especially as, as crypto is quite technical and has, has quite a high um, barrier to entry. And then as you continue moving forward, then you're going to, again, foundational elements are going to be there. It's, I feel like there's a merging theme. Focus on the foundation and don't take those shortcuts. Then once those components are there, you're then going to understand which personas like that type of packaged material and don't like it. And so then I think the next phase is how do you address those that don't like it? What are the formats that work for them? Maybe video is much more palatable. Maybe a Twitter thread is something that's better. And so it's really just what type of channels can you leverage and how can you get that and serve it to the customer in the most um, clear and concise way. And I think right now, most of us are probably at this mid mid maturity stage minimally. And so we're, we probably have a bunch of different uh, campaigns or, or onboarding packages or, or channels and, and things like, and, and things like that out in play. And I think it's then really just ultimately continuing that ever long, improvement cycle 
And then hopefully, I guess if you haven't done this already, you're measuring that success if or or not. If it's not successful, um, is it worthwhile to continue that route or do you have to go back to the drawing board? If it is successful, is it does it make sense to double down? Um, and, and I think those are the kind of decisions that we certainly are making right now. Totally, totally agree with that. I think there's the foundational aspect, which you just need, and you need to be able to communicate that simply and effectively for anyone, regardless of their, their education level um, of DeFi or crypto as a, as a, as a whole. Um, so it's putting those foundations in and talk tactics. That's things like FAQs. That's things like resource centers. That's things like a blog um, and, and obviously videos. Um, as you grow, you need to continue plugging those gaps, finding the content that, that new people or people that want to go deeper, what they need. Um, and a way in which you, you, you handle that is by creating once and publishing everywhere. It's like a little motto that I've taken with me since advertising days, and it, and it spells out cope. It's how we as marketeers and communicators cope. We create it once, publish it everywhere, tweaking the language, tweaking the medium, um, and ultimately, that's what keeps our, our head above the water. But get the foundations in, plug the gaps as you go. Like Jay says, figure out what's working. If it's not working, put it in the bin. But if it is working, publish it. Keep driving that. And, you know, it's an old adage of people need to see something seven times in order for it to, to go in and for it to be believed. And that's very, very true still in this space because it's it's just human psychology. Yeah, and I agree, of course, with uh, with everything Jay and Charlotte have said. Uh, I, I would say that a um, big part of our onboarding process is actually the community itself. So we go back to what basically we just talked about up until now. It's that, uh, you know, as a new user, honestly, the, the person that can be most useful to you is actually who was there before you, right? So who has done already the same, you know, went through the same steps. It's like, oh, okay, what is, I'm, I'm new to this project, whatever it is, right? Project X. Uh, and specifically uh, at Phantom, as I said, you know, the, our community has huge, huge uh, presence and influence over the community itself. And it is, especially with, uh, you know, a few of key community member members is a uh, yeah, fundamental part of the of onboarding process for new for new users, besides, of course, you know, what Charlotte and Jay have said. So, you know, create good content, create great content all the time, be consistent, uh, test, see what works, see what, see what doesn't, expand, think about how do I capture the users, right? Because that's another thing that, uh, you know, crypto has is that, you know, oftentimes we find ourselves in, uh, in, that, in this big uh, or small, depending, echo chamber, right? So it's like, you know, people repeating and just talking to themselves. But okay, how do we get out and how do we, you know, um, make other people aware that, uh, I don't know, Phantom, Maple, Avalanche, uh, whatever, Solana, and, you know, all of them, these things exist and what they can do for these people that don't know yet that these things exist. So anyway, but this is uh, the next step. But in general, I would say that the, the community, of course, once again, is, is a key part. Yeah, the expansion is the exciting thing uh, for me. It's, you know, the, speaking of the echo team, in, in our space, everyone knows Maple, everyone knows Phantom, Overlabs. How do you get out there? How do you spread that message um, outside of the echo chamber? Is It's not a problem. It's an, it's an opportunity that I'm definitely really excited about. But actually, I think that's where your community comes in because they've got their feelers and their fingers in different pies. And if you can get them to spread spread the word, um, you're onto a good thing. And then, you know, obviously there's press PR advertising, although it pains me to say it because I'm from, from ad businesses, but um, press PR beyond that. And, um, yeah, just having your community infiltrate their networks. There's a, there's a huge network effect in, in building a community. Beautiful insights, actually. Um, and let's, let, I want to twist. We, ha we have a very nice question for you guys. Right. You, ha you have, and you, Simone, especially, that you, you, you were one of those early starters of the project and then 
you know, you, you, you became to have a critical role, a very important role for the project. And it's amazing and an amazing journey. But I have this question. What is the funniest thing that has happened? One of the funniest thing that has happened in your community? Tell me something, you know, like, I, I want to laugh hard, right? <laughs> and we know that a lot of things are happening in crypto. Uh, but what is the one thing that you will tell your grandchildren <laughs> about the project? <laughs> I'll give you a few seconds to think about it. It's not an easy answer. Did you say funny, Did you say funny or fun? Uh, funny. Funny, yeah. Funny, okay. Funny. Probably have, it's a, it's not the difficulty to think a funny. I have thing. one. It's more, which one to pick, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have one. I have one. I can. It's, it's a quick one. Um, I think he would appreciate it sharing too. He knows there's a bunch of people that actually did this, but this is one the one of the first ones. So was, he's he's a guy. He is in our community. Was a little bit aggressive with his feedback for like three or four months. Um, to me personally and, and a few others on the team and uh, ended up just talking to this group every day and, and did a town hall would answer every single thing. Um, and, and we still weren't really getting what he wanted because the price action wasn't good. This persisted for like six months and throughout the time, a few people apologized because they were, the price was going back up. They were like, okay, I think I was getting a little bit too aggressive to you, Jay. Like, I'm sorry. And that was, also funny, I would say, or, or kind of unique. But this one stands out the most because then we did an in-person event in Lisbon. First event that we did in, in Avalanche, at least on the, at that scale. And this guy traveled three hours, drove a car from middle of nowhere, Portugal, to come visit me. He comes to me and I see this guy and he's, I think, must be in his 70s or 80s in terms of age. And, I, wow. and I'm not bagging on him for his age but it's just it's clear that he's not my age at least so um and i was like he says jay could i have a second to speak with you and i was like uh yeah sure just wasn't sure what it was about but i was like this guy's a crypto enthusiast he must be interested in talking about crypto and his wife was there and his wife's kind of the same age so i was like oh this is kind of an odd pairing but you know crypto's brought a ton of different types of people so this isn't the oddest thing i've seen and then he then has this bag and behind him and he's pulling it out. And I'm actually a little bit scared. So I, I, I was like, whoa, whoa, this is, could be a little sketchy. So I took a step back. He's like trying to fumble a little bit. And I'm like, what's going on? And he pulls out this box and it's this wooden box and looks at me and goes, my name is, and then puts his alias out there. Um, and I'm sorry. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> that is so cute. So cute. I gave him a huge hug. I was like, hey, like, so good to see you or so good to meet you in person. Like, we, we really chatted for not too long, like a few minutes. And I was like, honestly, I'm just in shock. I don't know what to say. But if you want to enjoy the event, like, I'll be here for the rest of the week. And he goes, no, 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 no. I spent three hours driving here only to meet you, to apologize to you. And I'm now going to go back with my wife. And then he just left. And he gave me this amazing bottle of port, which I drank. Um, really good port. So if uh, he's listening, he knows who he is. So uh, that was that was, I think, not so funny, but I think it's funny. Like I tell it all the time now. And my mom's like, my mom goes, are you safe? Are you okay? And I was like, well, I don't know if I have a definitive answer, but uh, I think I'm, I think I'm fine. <laughs> Imagine the, the roller coaster in this guy's psychology, right? Yeah. Uh, this, uh, By the way, this is not the, this did you like get, did you kid. get any, any, did you get any pies like spinach pie, Portuguese, uh, I don't know. His wife. I gave him. <laughs> Did they no, cook no, anything no, for no. you? <laughs> they no, usually no, do that, right? <laughs> no, no. I gave him a pastel. We had them at the venue, but uh, yeah, this was like one of five at this point. I've now had since then. I've had three other people do that's very similar things, um, and it just goes to show. One of the guys actually was like, "Jay, it's really hard to hate you." <laughs> He's like, "You make it really hard," and I was like, "See, see, I know, I know." <laughs> So anyways, just a silly That's an amazing story. Amazing yeah. story. Uh, Charlotte, Simone? I've got nothing on Jay. 
Absolutely nothing on Jay. I mean, everything. Anything day. against Jay? Because I think he, like, he, he gets the golden medal, right? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. I mean, we've got a, a side chat for the people on the podcast, and there's lots of, lol, lol, what's in the box? So I'm hungry. Stop talking about cakes. <laughs> um, but no, that's a fascinating. Uh, uh, you said what's in the box, and you reminded me Seven, the movie. So Yeah. No, no. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Fortunately, it was, you know, something nice. Yes, fortunately. I mean, we we just troll our bots. Every bot that comes into the channel, we end up flirting with 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 all of these bots that come in, um, playing around with them, trying to confuse them, trying to root out that they are indeed a bot, um, and just trying to and we have some fun with them. Um, so yeah, that's that's that, that's like a day to day fun fun vibes in our chat. I would say. <laughs> and. Okay, I think there's this there's this um, episode that happened, and uh, I I, uh, I say it quite often actually, but it's quite uh, it's quite funny, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, early 2019, and uh, I was still a community member. I helped organize a um, an event in New York City uh, with Phantom and a couple of other projects. Uh, these couple of other projects were IOTA and uh, Holochain, so it was this sort of panel with uh you know projects that use a sort of a different approach to uh to blockchain and uh, in that occasion phantom sent uh, sent andre uh andre Cronier. and uh so of course well first time that i meet him uh, i don't know i felt very not smart talking to him because <laughs> this guy was you know just uh thinking at a very different level. But the, the funny part is that, so it's um, presentation time and, you know, each project has, uh, I don't know, 20 minutes to, to talk about uh, what they're doing. And uh, IOTA and the Holochain go first, of course, you know, beautiful presentation, very well explained and so on. And then Andre goes on stage and the first thing that he does is actually explain both Holochain and IOTA in like, you know, two minutes, much better than, <laughs> than the, the speakers of those projects had done. And um, and that was actually quite uh, quite funny, and uh, just because to, to see the how easy for was for him to explain this this simple this very hard concept in very simple terms, and uh, in, in such a short and concise manner. So anyway, this is uh, from the early days of of Phantom. Nice, nice. I think in this case, Jay uh, had the most thrilling experience of of all, right? For sure. <laughs> We have to admit that. Um, honestly, guys, you, you know that already. But I'm saying this for the audience that the audience that will listen this podcast. Uh, we had so many questions. Probably it will take three hours to finish them all, and we don't have that time. Uh, it's already it's already one hour long uh, podcast. So uh, before we wrap up and say our goodbyes. What would one advice be to a new project, to someone that is in your position, starts with a new project and wants to develop a healthy community? Just one advice or two advice, I don't mind. But what do you think the pillar of this um, challenge uh, is? So one advice for this guy. Super quick. It's three things. Be nice, be transparent, and engage and communicate constantly. That's it. Mine would be don't feel like you have to do everything. Um, most of the times you should actually do a few things um, and do those well. So that's for, for anyone who's starting out. I think it's a really, I, I, I heard it, I think myself, like when I first started and it was just about focus and it really helped me not feel overwhelmed by the space because it's really easy to get overwhelmed. Yeah, and I, and I guess and I guess in the space you start with one thing and then you suddenly have to spin so many plates. Right? Yeah, exactly. And do this exactly. and that and scattered in, in, in so many space, so many places and then you cannot focus on, on the one thing that really matters, right? Right. And I think I've got three recommendations as well. Power of three. Go. Um, <laughs> um, I think my first recommendation is the space needs communicators. So please come and communicate. 
these very complex um, projects to to everyone. So welcome, come in. You are very needed and, uh, and this industry will only grow through communicators. So be empowered by that. When you are communicating, be authentic to your project. So in the tone of voice and the personality of your project, bring that in and communicate in that style. Then when you're thinking about like tactics and what you're doing to Jay's point about focus, don't copy anyone. Do what's right in that level of like authenticity. Do what's right for, for you and for your project. Don't just copy a server. Don't just copy the meme or the law or the like fantasy world trend. Do what's right for you. And there's my three recommendations. Thank you so much, all of you guys. Um, listen, it was an absolute privilege and a pleasure uh, co-hosting this this podcast with my friend Kepler here. Uh, I would love to have, you know, your your commitment that we will do this again. Yeah, in the near future, uh, because marketing in in crypto is a huge topic with so so multi layers, right? Uh, but. Again, I'm I'm grateful for the time you made to uh, to be here with us. So thank you so much, uh, and I guess we will speak soon. Thank you for having us. Amazing, thank you, thank you guys, thank you very awesome. much. Awesome, and uh, guys, make sure to subscribe to our channel and hit that like button, and we'll see you soon. Take care, everyone.